0: Say, I walk by faith. faith. This is so important because we told you a couple of weeks ago that once you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, that faith is the most important lesson that you can learn. Because in Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because they that come to him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, there are lots of people who believe that God is. But there are not a lot of people who've taken the time to get in the word and find out that God rewards those that diligently seek him. Well, how does God want us to diligently seek him? He wants us to find him in his word. He wants us to know who he says that he is so we know what to depend on, so that we know what to stand on. And so it's so important for us to understand that while we live naturally, we are not just limited to the natural. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm not just limited to the natural. You guys do believe in the supernatural, don't you? If you believe in God, you believe in the supernatural, right? So you don't want to live your life limited to the natural. You don't want all of your promotion to come based on your education. Hey, Let me try again. Maybe you do. I don't want all my promotion to come based on my education because sometimes it may not be enough. And so, that, so the favor of God is supernatural. Amen. And God doing for you what you can't do is supernatural. But unfortunately, a lot of believers, they put everything on their backs. So you decide everything about your life based on your checkbook, based on your education, based on how you feel. But God has called us to walk by faith. Amen? Amen. So we're going to pray and we're going to start talking about faith. Amen? Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that our faith is being stared up even as we hear the Word. We thank you that we are not a people that just hear the Word, but we are doers of the Word. And we thank you that when we hear and do the Word, that we get the results of the Word in our life. And so we thank you for harvest even on this week, for increase, for breakthrough, for peace, for joy, for manifestation, for restoration of relationships, because we believe that when we agree with you that there is nothing that can stop your will from being done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to lift your Bible up or your smartphone, wherever you're holding your Bible this morning. and Say, this is my Bible. Is my Bible. Come on, I want you to say it with a little more conviction than that. This is my Bible. Is Bible. And I am, I, am. I am what it says I am. And I can do what it says I can do. I can do so I refuse, I refuse to live, to live limited, limited, limited when, God when God has set me free. See, that ought to be your expectation when you get in the Word. You can't just get in the Word to memorize scriptures. Memorizing scriptures doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do you any good to be able to quote Psalms 23 if you don't really believe the Lord is your shepherd. When when you feel like you are without provision, that's when the Lord is my shepherd should come up on the inside of you. You got to know this can't be the end of my story because the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. And so we've been talking about faith. Amen. And last week I gave you some things. I said, if you're going to be a person of faith, well, there are four things you have to do. I'm not going to even ask if you remember them because I believe that you're the smart class. So if I don't ask you, I won't know that you don't remember them. We just go go over. Number one, if you want to be a person of faith, you must hear the word. Say, I choose to hear the word. Hear the word. If the word still bores you, you're not a person of faith yet. Because the word tells you what you have a right to. Amen. Amen. And then I have to speak the word. Not just enough to hear the word. I got to say what God is saying. We want to be really serious about this in this time. There may be some times that you feel sad. There may be times, sometimes that you feel depressed. That's when you open up your mouth and you say the joy of the Lord is my strength. I cannot stay in this place. You may not have a lot of money right now, but you still got to open up your mouth and not just look at your checkbook, but look at God as your provider. Say, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I believe that, so I'm going to say that. See, the real test of who we are is what happens to us in pressure. Amen. The real test of who we are, our faith is measured in pressure. It's easy to believe that you're in the right place when you just got the job. It's easy to believe that you're in the right place when they just gave you a raise. The challenge is what are you going to do when you're working with challenging people? It's easy to believe that you married the right person. Lord, I hope on your honeymoon, I hope that on your honeymoon you believe that you married the right person. The challenge is when you got challenges, do you start to say, I believe that this is the relationship that God has for me, or do you start saying, girl, maybe I missed it. I don't know if this is the will of God or not. You have to hang on to the word. So we got to hear the word, and we have to speak the word, right? And then we have to ask for wisdom on how to implement the word. So we're going to hear the word, we're going to speak the word, and then we're going to say, God, how do we do this? God, how do we build a successful marriage? God, how do we raise our kids? I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about how, like, whenever somebody's kids goes off somewhere and they live living all wild and stuff, people, says, um, people always say, well, the Bible says that he won't depart from it. And they say that to tell you that he's coming back to it. Well, actually, what the Bible says, he won't leave to begin with. And so I have to have an expectation. I'm just helping you. Some of you got young kids. I'm going help you so you know how to pray for your kids. This kind of stuff, we pray over our kids. Lord, every single thing that they would do that the enemy would try to set them up, expose them early. Let them know early they can't get away with nothing. Let them get busted for everything. Let them know that your presence is over their lives. Lord, speak to me about my kids. Lord, speak to me about the friends of my kids. Everybody that would try to set a trap for them in Jesus' name expose them for who they are. And so then when your kids be talking to you, you be like, Lord, is that the truth? Oh, we got the best story ever. Our kids was little. Not our little kids. I don't think the girls was born yet. And, um, and somebody had eaten an apple in, in, in downstairs, and they weren't supposed to eat downstairs. And so there were these um, ants everywhere, but they had thrown away the apple, so we couldn't figure out where the ants had come from. And we got to praying about that thing. We was like, hold on, it shouldn't be no ants, because now we're concerned about are we getting an invasion of ants in our house, right? And the Lord said to Pastor Edwin, he said, Taylor ate that apple, put it in the trash can, and then threw it away once the apples came, once the ants came. Can you imagine what a blessing it is, what happens to your kids when you tell your kids what they did and they don't know how you did it? Your kids, you just be like, you might as well go and tell the truth. The Holy Ghost, go tell me. You might as well go ahead and tell the truth. That, That was our prayer. Because we didn't, because some, how many of you grew up going to church? How many of you got some stories right now you don't want your parents to know? Your parents didn't know how to pray like that for you right there, see? We'd be like, ain't going to be none of them stories because we're going to stand on the word. So we need faith. How do we raise our kids so that they don't go away? How do we raise our kids and help them to have their own relationship with God? How do we teach them? How do we make sure that we are, we're disciplining them in a way? We don't want to break their spirits when we discipline them. How do we discipline them in a way that builds up their personality, that helps them develop character? So we're looking for wisdom. Lord, how do we get along better in our relationship? Do you know that most people invest more time in their wedding than they do in their marriage? Most people are plan a wedding for a year and go to one premarital counseling class. And want that to hurry up and be over? <laughs> so, you gotta use the word to set you up. And then you have to act on the word. Once you know what you should be doing, you gotta do it. Tell your neighbor, say so you gotta do, gotta do the word. How many of you know you should drink more water? How many of you don't always do it? It don't do you any good to, do some, to know something and not to do it. It doesn't do you any good to know that you should speak the word in a precious situation and curse. That won't produce anything. And so we have to train ourselves to do that. So why is this so important? Because I want you to understand who you are. Say, it's time for me, time for me. to know who I am. Let's look at Genesis 1. We just want to walk through this. And we really, I was thinking about this. When you come to church, church ought to be a combination of a class and boardroom strategy. It ought to be a combination. If you've ever been to a strategic planning meeting, it's where you, they say, this, these are the incentives, incentives. These are the goals. This is where we're going in the 2015 year. You ought to come to church looking to know, where, where am I going this week? What am I working on this week? What do I need to be focused on? Is my confession in alignment with what God says? Are my actions in alignment with what God says? Amen? So in Genesis 1, let's look at this. Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord moved, a Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, what did he say in verse 3? God said what? And what happened? So God said, let there be, and there was, right. You keep going. It says, and God said, let there be night from day. Let the waters go over here. And every time God said something, what happened? Now, interestingly, when God walked out there, I heard Pastor Edwin and I already told y'all this version before. But when God walked out there, he ain't go, man, it's sure it's dark out here. Right? Right? But that's what some of you do when you look at your situation. You look at your checkbook, you go, man, we sure don't have no money. Man, we sure are sick. Man, this relationship show sure ain't going nowhere. It says, but God said he called what he didn't see into existence. Now, there are two issues. Number one, speaking the word is a spiritual principle, which we'll talk about, but it's also a psychological principle. Anytime you say what you can't do, your brain is going to agree with you and it's going to close down the possibilities of the solutions. So that's why you have to say, how can we do this? Lord, how are we going to pay all these bills? How are we going to get a promotion? How are we going to raise these kids? You can't say we can't do it or it's never going to happen because then your mind is going to lock down at that point and you can't live beyond that point. Romans 12 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can experience what God says. You know, I was thinking about this. Like growing up, we might not have necessarily known a lot of older Christians. They didn't know that they were supposed to live in victory. They didn't know that that was the will of God for their life. They thought it was a just let's just make it through till we get to heaven. Well, now we're in a dispensation where revelation knowledge has been released and we know that God wants us to have a good marriage. Say, God wants me to have a good marriage. marriage. Say, God wants me to like my family. family. And even if you're not married, you ought to be saying now, God wants me to like my marriage because you ought not want your second marriage to have to be the one that you like. So you ought to be declaring, God, I'm going to have a good marriage. While everybody else talking about it's a shortage of good men. You'd be like, I don't know nothing about that. I'm going to have a good marriage. And right, you don't need but one. That's what we tell people all the time. It's it's a shortage of men. You don't need but one. You can't manage but one. And you got to believe that God is so faithful that if he need to bring a man from another country, that that's what he'll do for you. But when you are attached to the fact that there aren't any good, that's why you only find the bad ones. When you say there aren't any jobs, that's why you can't get a job. Do you know people getting jobs every day? Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, say, people, people are getting jobs, are getting jobs. Every, day. Every, day. Every, day. every day. Every day. Somebody getting a job every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Why not you? Amen. Many times it's because of what you are saying out of your mouth and what's in your heart. If you believe that your lack of degree will keep you from a job, it will. But I have a friend who is who is the you don't know of anybody who is more likely to be a statistic. She was molested as a young girl. She had her first baby at 16. At 18 she had another baby by another man. She was on the system. Everybody said she was going to fail. Today, she is the senior VP of a healthcare company with no degree. no degree, with no degree. She does not have a degree. She is working on her bachelor's right now. I said, how did you do that? She said, God told me I could be promoted, so I never let my degree stop me. What are you letting stop you that disagrees with what God says? So it says that God goes on, and let's look at verse 26 because I showed you that God said because I want you to see who you are. Let's see. And then in verse 26, it says, and God said, let us make man. How? In our image. See, that's why it's important for you to pull your Bible up so you know what I'm saying here because I could be making up something. He said, let us make man in our image. Say, I made in the image of God. He says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. Say, I was created for dominion. Now, see, when you understand that, you will stop tolerating your circumstances dominating you. You will begin to open up your mouth and say, wait a minute, this is not the truth about my life because I have been created in the image of God. I can't stay sick. Hey, little Jimmy, how are you doing? Want to help today? That's okay. Soon we'll have children's church. <laughs> Amen. So it says, say, I'm created, I'm created. for, a dominion. for a dominion. You have to get that in your heart because if you don't get it in your heart, life will dominate you. I know too many believers who are dominate, being dominated by life. You were not designed to be dominated by life. You were not designed to be dominated by the economy. You were not designed to be dominated by your emotions. You were not designed to be dominated by anything other than the Word of God. And you should use the Word of God to create the world that God says you should have. But here's the problem with being a person of faith. Can y'all turn that light off right there? <laughs> um, our sound people. Excuse me. Can y'all turn that light? Thank thank you. That's my crew. They're my boys. We train them up. (laughs) We train them up. Here, the problem with the sound people and the video people is that nobody ever notices them until something go wrong. And then everybody notices them. So, they growing and becoming. They learning how to do it. So, it says we're created in the image of God. And if you don't know that, you will live defeated. See? I know that people were excited when gas went down. But the same God that provided when gas is 172 provides if it's 272. And your life, how well you walk in that is based on what you believe about that. But if you don't believe that, then you're always going to be limited to your checkbook. How many you know it ain't enough in your checkbook to do everything that God has called you to do? Could, 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 if, you, if you know that, could you, could you go ahead and raise your hand if you know it's not enough? So you might, if you do, you got some low dreams. You got some low budget dreams. You is a BET 2 AM movie, budget dreams. Because you know a BET 2 AM movies, they don't even change the set. They do everything in the same room. (laughs) That is not what you're called to. And so it says he made us in his image and his likeness, and I love this, and he says that he's given us dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. I like to say it like this. God has given us dominion over all the creeps, all the creeps. We have dominion over all the creeps. So you're not going to run me off my job. You're not going to make me uncomfortable on my job. You're not going to intimidate me in the classroom. I'm not going to be bullied at school because I already have dominion over all of the creeps. And then it says, it says, um, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female. I love that God said that because he knew that somewhere, someplace, it was going to be some man that was going to try to say a woman didn't have as much dominion. And so God is letting you know that it doesn't matter. You have just as much dominion, just as much authority. There isn't a glass ceiling that can hold you back. I'm going to keep saying to you, believe. There's not a glass ceiling that can stop you. Nobody can keep you from going where you're supposed to be because you're a woman. Nobody can keep you but your lack of faith. But if you believe God, God will raise up people who will open doors for you. And the people who won't open doors for you, he will move them. That ought to be the expectation of believers. And that's the reason that no's don't bother me because I know there's a yes for me. See, if you get discouraged by no's, you don't really believe there's a yes. Because when you really believe, I'll give you a great example. So, see, I know that almost 80% of what I asked Edwin to do the first time, he go tell me no. It's just kind of standard how he is. No matter what it is, he gonna say, no, that's how he wired, that's how he is. I ain't moved by that. <laughs> I give you a great example. We went through, we took the kids to McDonald's the other day, and I just got a hot fudge Sunday. And they didn't, they didn't give me any fudge on my Sunday. It, 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 it was sad. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was about a quarter worth of fudge. And so I looked at that and I said, I said, Can you believe this is all the fudge that they gave me? And I said, I need you to go back in and give me some more fudge. We were in the drive-thru. He said, no. I just drove on around to the other side because I know he didn't really mean no. No, he didn't really mean no. Did he go back in there and get that fudge? He didn't really mean no. As a believer, when God says yes, you have to not be moved by people, No. Amen. And so he says, he went on in there and got that fudge for me, too. Because that's where my faith is. That about, now, now, listen, every woman ought to be able to agree with that. I just believe that, that if I ask my husband to do something, he may, he may say no the first time, but he don't really mean no. And if he mean no, then my faith going to start working, and then God going to start talking, and then he going to do it. He going to the store. I don't care that he don't want to because faith is moving him to the store on my behalf. That ought to be your expectation in every area of life. Amen. It says, and God created male and female. He created them. Verse 28, it says, and God blessed them. That word blessed means empowered to prosper. Say, "I I am empowered to prosper. Say it like you believe it. I am empowered to prosper. It says, and God blessed them. He empowered them to prosper. And then he gave them some instructions. He told you what your life should look like. He says, be fruitful. It says, you ought to live a life that's fruitful. Say, I choose to live a life that's fruitful. Life that's fruitful. You have to make a decision to be fruitful. Your marriage ought to get better every year. Every year. Every year. Amen. You ought to like your kids a little bit better every year. You ought to be promoted on your job every year. year. If they don't promote you, then it's another opening for you. You ought to have that. Let, Let me tell you. Let me tell you why it's so important for believers to be promoted. The Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. If God can get someone that can hear from him at the top, they can institute policies that bless everybody you're not doing anybody any service staying down here at the low level. If somebody go be at the top making decisions, it ought to be somebody who hear God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Say, I'm going to the top. I'm going to the top. Amen. Amen. Amen? And so it says that God called us to be fruitful. He called us to multiply. He called us to replenish. People who work up here for Walmart, you know what replenishment means. It means to pull it back. It means that when the dove goes away, somebody got to send more dove back in, right? He has called us to replenish so that when we see something broken, when we see something taken, he has encouraged us and equipped us to be able to fix it. Amen? And if you don't understand that, you will always be waiting on somebody to come in on a horse and save you. You are the hero if you a believer. We are the heroes. We are the light in darkness. We are the superstars. We are the superheroes. On your job, they ought to come to you. If they're not coming to you, your light not shining. Now, here's the problem. Let me help you. Because then they start calling, coming to you, and then you're like, why everybody come to me? Because you the light. So you can't get mad when everybody come to you. They're supposed to come to you because you're the light. But then you can't put all of them on your back. Right. You got to say, all right, Lord, they all coming. What you want me to do? Right. Amen. Right. It says, amen. Pastor, David said the Bible says he will give you what to say. And it says and you should have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So I'm just going to tell you that means that you ought not be running around being afraid of birds. And bees and wall and some of y'all, y'all scared of clowns. He said, you're not supposed to be scared of all of that stuff. You should not be scared of lions and bears, but you should not be out there fooling with them because the Bible says, don't tempt the Lord thy God. So I say to Pastor Edwin all the time, I will never be in the same place with a bear unless he come to Walmart. If he don't come to Walmart, I'm not going out there fooling with him trying to prove That I have authority. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. But you are not spending your life running from everything, scared of everything. Say, God has not given me a spirit of fear. I don't know which one of our kids, one of our kids was scared of grass. We was like, the devil is a lie. Now, you can't be scared of grass. That just ain't the will of God for you to be scared of grass. It's everywhere. And so you have dominion. Amen. Say, I have dominion. dominion. Amen. Now, let's go to John 6 and 63. Are you learning something this morning? Listen, I'm telling you, you got to be a person who comes to church to learn for the purpose of implementing. You have to be a person who comes to church for the purpose of, of hearing, for the purpose of implementing Implementing. Some of you have been in church your whole life. You know how to shout. We can put some shout music on. We can shout all over this place. We can sweat our hair out. I don't have that problem no more, but y'all can sweat your hair out. Y'all get all sweaty and whatever, and then go home and still live a raggedy life. That is not what we're called to. We are called to learn how to be victorious. So church has to be a training ground. Amen. And then your life has to be where you walk it out. Amen. It has to be a place where you look at yourself and you go, all right, well, you know what? That argument, I didn't handle that so well. All right, Lord, let's try this again. I didn't do so well. I didn't step up in that situation. But it's got to be this growing process. You have to be committed to growing. Say, I'm committed to growing. growing. Amen. And so let's go to John 6 and 63, which means that you're going to have to discipline yourself to hear the word, and you're going to have to discipline yourself to speak the word you got to discipline yourself. John 6 and 63, it says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, and the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So literally when God created man in his image, what he did was he made man a speaking spirit. He gave man the same ability he had to frame his world. And so it says, now, when you speak, you are speak, when you speak the word of God, literally you release the power of God into your situation. It says, now, if you don't speak the word of God, then you're speaking circumstances into your situation. He says, so when God created us in his image, he gave us the ability to use our words to frame our world. You do it all the time. Nobody accidentally gets married, unless they drunk. But for the most part, you don't accidentally get married. You start thinking about what it would be like to spend life with that person. You start framing it in your mind, and that's how you get there. You use your words to frame your world. How many of you know that if you, um, men, that if you want to marry a woman and you don't ask her, it's probably not going to happen? Right. Like, it, it, you can think in your mind all the time, I, I, I sure would like to make her my wife. but for the most part, she, she might ask you. We won't ask nobody up in here, okay? We going to wait on them to ask us, okay? Amen. Yes, we, we're going to wait on them to ask us because we're the good thing. That's okay. We'll talk about that in the women's fellowship. I'm going to get y'all straight in it. I'm going to get y'all straight, okay? But you won't get married unless, someone, unless you ask her. You know, you may have had somebody that you wanted to go out with in your life. Well, if you don't actually ask them to go out, you typically don't get to go out. What am I trying to say to you? I'm saying that for the most part in your life, God isn't going to supernaturally come in and do for you what he's already empowered you to do. Now, God will cause your resume to come to the top of the pile, but you got to submit it. God is not going to go into your computer and create your resume for you, send an email to the hiring department and write a letter on your behalf. Now, it could happen. It could happen because without God, all things are possible. But for the most part, your God is going to say to you that it's time for promotion. You're going to start looking for a promotion. And then you're going to apply and you're going to believe God. And then if you don't get that one, you're not going to get up, give up because you're going to just believe that there must be something better for you. Amen. So these words that we speak, they are life. In Proverbs, it says life and death is in the, is in the power of your tongue. What are you saying about your situation? What are you saying about your situation? Are you saying, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it. My head always hurts. Oh, these folks get on my nerves. They get on my last nerve. Some of you, I hear, I hear, I've heard you say so. They get on my last nerves, and you wonder why you're irritated all the time. Because your words, you have used your words to give somebody permission to control how you feel. I can remember years ago, I called my spiritual mother one time and I told her, I, this is the first thing I said after I said hello. I said, Edwin makes me sick. And she said, shame on you when Jesus healed you. She said, if you let Edwin make you sick, shame on you. That'll get your confession tight real, real quick. You start thinking about what it is that you're saying. When we're in relationship couples, when we're in, and if you're not in a relationship, you still can get a friend that you can be in covenant with. Your pastors can be another believer, can be, in covenant. but in in marriage, if we get in, if we get in faith, if your husband or your wife come and they say, "I'm believing God for another job," you gotta strike hands with them and be like, "All right, let's go get that. We believe that we receive that." Every day you open up your mouth. Lord, I thank you that we have this new job. I thank you that we make X amount of dollars a year. I thank you that we have more than enough. I thank you that we have benefits. Let's say the first job you get offered doesn't meet that, but you need the job. You take the job, but you don't let go of your confession. You keep believing. Let's say you, if you just, let's say hypothetically. Let's say if you want a Bentley. I don't know if you do or not, but let's say if you want a Bentley. A Bentley is a hundred and some thousand dollar car. Drive a Hyundai now. Don't just walk. Don't just walk. And that's how people in faith get messed up. You're going believe God. You can believe God while you're driving the Hyundai. Lord, I thank you. I'm going to take care of this car. I'm going to be faithful over it. I'm going to learn how to manage the oil change for a Hyundai and so I can move on up in life, and I'm going to get there. We go by faith to faith, to glory to glory. We have to practice faith where we are. Do you know nobody starts playing basketball and just dunk? You 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 learn the fundamentals. Some of you frustrated because you're trying to dunk in faith. You don't even know the fundamentals. You don't even know how to just close your mouth. Yeah. And so you're like, I don't understand why I ain't dunking yet. Can, can you just dribble? Can you just dribble? Just What's the dribble? Consistency? I'm just going to be consistent about what it is I'm saying. I'm just going to get all that junk out of my life. Can you just learn how when the defender comes, not the hand in the ball? Because if you're playing with little kids, when little kids play basketball, somebody walk up to them, they forget they're supposed to be dripping. Sometimes they hand the ball to the wrong team. Don't hand over your confession with pressure. See, I know you think these stories ain't going nowhere, but I'm good at this. I'm going to take you somewhere if you stick with me. So he, you got to pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth. You, uh, sometimes people say don't tell people what you believe believing for. But you got to tell people what you're believing for because how do we know what to stand with you for? If we don't know you believing for healing, I'm not saying tell everybody, but if we don't know you believing for healing, then how can we challenge you when you keep talking about how sick you are? Let me, let me, I'm asking stuff because I know I'm saying a lot today. Um, let, let's go to Hebrews 4 and 12 because the word is it's powerful. Say, the word is powerful. Say, I can use the word to change my life. Now, let me tell you something. In life, you go going to have some victories and you go have some defeats. Do not give up on the word because of defeats. Do I have any hog fans in here? If you have a hog fan, let me see your hand. You know they don't always give us a winning season. They don't always give us a winning season. But we don't quit on them. We don't let our faith go because they didn't give us a winning season. Now, if you can hang on to a team, because some of y'all, I ain't going to talk about y'all teams, but you know, some of y'all teams, I had to start releasing my faith for the Cowboys. Pastor, they won't be so sad. They be losing. I was like, let me get some fasting and praying for these Cowboys because I need them to win so he can be happy when it's over. But if you're not going to give up on a team, how are you going to give up on the word because something didn't work? You just tweak it and go back and keep digging. Just keep digging. Most of the things, the first time you tried to do them, you didn't succeed at them. Most things. The first time you did it, you didn't succeed at it. How do you get good at it? You keep practicing. You keep saying what God said. Because here's the thing you need to realize. Let's say you challenged in your body and you're believing God for healing. Let's say you struggle with allergies. Well, here's the first thing. Break up with what you say about them. Stop saying they're your allergies. Stop holding on to them. This is my diabetes, my sugar, my high blood pressure, my cancer. No, it's not mine. Cause I want to remind myself it's not supposed to be here. Let's say that you have to stand on the word for three years to get free. When you're free, you're free. So don't give up on it because you stood on. You made one confession, got in the prayer line one time, took some clarity one time, and didn't change. Don't do that. Even in the natural, you don't expect the first pill to make your throat stop hurting, right? you got to learn how to stick. And Pastor Elwin and I were using this example. We were saying the challenge for a lot of believers is that a lot of believers, if they're honest, they live their life raggedy. And a lot of people, you, you love Jesus, but your life is raggedy. Your confession is raggedy. you got issues in your life you're not fixing. And what happens is, is that you go out there, and it's kind of like being in the ocean. And so you get out there so far, and then because the Lord loves you, he sends somebody with mercy and grace to rescue you and bring you back in. But then you don't do the work to actually learn how to swim. So then the next time life throws you out there again, you need somebody to come and rescue. As believers, we ought to be growing up. We shouldn't always need somebody else to rescue us. You shouldn't always need somebody else to encourage you. When you first start out, you need somebody to encourage you. But the Bible says then you learn how to encourage yourself. You open up the Bible and you say, this is not the final say for my life. I will not be here forever. I am moving forward in Jesus' name. I am not the product of my past. I am an overcomer. Because I got to say what God is saying about my life. When your marriage isn't in any trouble at all, you ought to be saying, I thank you that we got a good marriage. I thank you that we really like each other. I thank you that we enjoy being with each other. How do you affair proof your marriage? You go over there in Proverbs. Father, I thank you that my husband is satisfied by the wife of his youth. He is not easily distracted by thoughts in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) in Jesus' name. (laughs) Oh, now y'all all all deep. Now y'all all deep. Now everybody deep this morning, right? And Lord, I thank you that I don't do anything that makes it easy for him to be enticed by thought. Y'all know what thoughts are. Y'all try to play me. I know y'all listen to the music. Y'all try to play with me up in here today. Hebrews four and twelve. It says, "For the word is sharper than any two edged." So listen. All you gotta do is read Proverbs. Proverbs says, "Don't be enticed with thoughts." It says, "Be careful." Y'all don't read y'all Bibles. It says, be careful. Do not be enticed with the woman who says, hey, come home with me tonight. My man ain't here. Let's kick it. He says, if you do, your soul going end up in death, especially if you married. That's what the Bible says. See, y'all don't read y'all Bibles. Right. Thought. Translations. Right. Thoughts. So, it says... <laughs> That's the hip-hop version of the Bible right there. (laughs) So it says that the word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Here's what the word wants to do, because I want you to show you how God wants to work with you, okay? What God wants to do is he wants you to see a word. He wants you to hear a word, and that word should begin to paint a picture for you. For example, you hear a word about healing. That word should begin to be planted in your heart, and you begin to say, maybe I don't have to be sick. Maybe it's not the will of God for me to struggle with allergies even if other people do. Maybe it's not the will of God for me to have sugar even if everybody else do. It is called diabetes. It's not called sugar. But if you grew up like I do, they just call it the sugar. Uh (laughs) it's, It's not, you begin to say out of your mouth, that's not the will. It begins to paint a picture in you of a healthier self. See, you can never accomplish anything until you can see it. I say this, anybody ever been stressed? <laughs> anybody ever had a thought that they should smoke a cigarette? Who's not a, cig- a, sm- a smoker? So, because the enemy doesn't know what you will take, he just throws stuff out there. So, you'll get stressed and the enemy will say, girl, you should just smoke a cigarette. <laughs> uh, you should just get you a drink. Get you a big old gallon of wine <laughs> and drink it all. <laughs> Some of you in your old life, you be like, I just want to get high. The enemy doesn't know what you're going to do until you do it. Now, he throw it out there. But you know why you don't smoke when you get high? I mean, when <laughs> Let me fix that. Let me clean that up, okay? Let me clean it up. Let me clean it Y'all edit that part out, okay? Um, but do you know why you don't smoke when you get stressed? Because you don't identify yourself as a smoker. So the word is designed to paint a picture for who you really should be so you will rise up and be that. See, if you begin to believe that you are a person of integrity, you can't keep lying. If you begin to believe that you are a person who should be the head and not the tail, you begin to step to the head. If you believe that you're supposed to have a happy marriage, you start doing the work to get a happy marriage. And so the word is designed to paint a picture on the inside of you so you will become what you believe because you can never be anything other than what you believe that you are. So when the, what sin wants to do, and what life wants to do is that it wants to paint a picture that's contrary to the word, it wants you to believe that everybody's getting divorced, everybody not getting divorced. It wants you to believe that every teenager is out of bounds. Every teenager is not out of bounds. It wants you to believe that everybody is stressed on their job. Everybody not stressed on their job. Why? Because if it can paint that image, so you need to understand that the enemy and God are competing for your thought life because whoever you agree with is going to rule you. Whoever you agree with is going to rule you. And so it's important for you to meditate on the word. Amen. Why do we believe God? We talked about this last week. Have you ever made a mistake? Raise your hand if you made a mistake. Have you ever thought you was right but you was wrong? Okay, God has never been wrong. So if we got to choose between him and us, who we going with? Say, I'm going with God. Now, isn't it crazy because there have been times in your life that God told you to do something and you thought it didn't make sense? Can you admit that? I have. that's, That's when you know you're out your mind. That's when you got to reset yourself and go, wait a minute. Now, God who framed the universe, who has been here and done this forever, eternally, knows less about this situation than I do. Let me go ahead and line up with God. Amen? Now, let's look at Matthew 6 and 8. We're almost done. Matthew 6 and 8. Say, I'm growing growing in the word. Say, I choose to agree with God. Let me tell you something, you know, we talk about our own personal challenges here because we want you to know how faith overcomes, how faith overcomes. You are never limited by what anybody says but God. You're not limited unless you agree with the limitation. We think about all the time when they told us that Jordan was probably never going to talk. They were like, she's probably never going to talk. We was like, the devil is a lie. She a speaking spirit. She go speak. But you have to have some aggressiveness. If you're going to be a faith person, you have to understand that you go offend most believers. Now, interestingly, you won't won't offend non-believers. Who you're going to offend is the religious people. When you begin to say, we're going to be happily married and we're going to live happy all the days of our life. Then all the people who don't believe that, they going to get upset because if you're right, they don't have an excuse to stay like they are. And so you got to know that if you're going to be a faith walker, you got to be internally built up on the inside and you got to expect that periodically people go look at you and go, "Who she get on my nerves. That ought to be your expectation because you're walking by faith. But you know how long they'll do that? Till you produce. And when you produce, the same people who mocked you will ask you to pray for them. And then it's your opportunity to come and minister to them. Just because they say it can't be done doesn't mean that it can't be done. Amen? So let's look at Matthew 6 because I want to teach you how to pray. It says, um, we're we're not going to go through the whole prayer. We're going to go Matthew 6, verse. um, we're going to start at verse Mm-mm, I want to start at verse 5. It says, when thou pray, thou shalt not be like the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray corporately. It means that we don't pray to be seen. We don't pray because we want people to think we deep. <laughs> that, that That's not why we praying. And then he goes on and he says, he says, when you pray, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to the father, which is in in secret and thy father, which see it in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. Here's what this means. It means if you believe that you receive, you don't have to keep asking. That's what faith says. We believe we receive, so we don't keep asking. We'll teach you more on prayer as we keep going. But what you do is you find out what the word says. So it looks like this. When they told us Jordan wouldn't talk, we asked God one time, was it his will for her to talk? He said yes. Every other prayer was either a prayer of thanksgiving or a prayer of command. So we were either saying, God, we thank you that Jordan talks, or we were saying when they would begin to tell us about different things, we would say one of the things that they told us was about her synapses her firing. So we would say, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that Jordan synapses fire in a way that produced language for her. That's how we're praying. We're not asking God again to do what he's already done. It's like salvation. You don't get saved every time you mess up. If you do, you're doing this wrong. We don't get saved every time we mess up. We don't come back again and go, we believe that we accept Jesus as our personal Savior. We repent and we move on. We don't spend a life of perpetually getting saved over and over again. We spend a life of growing in salvation. So once we know the will of God for something, we don't have to beg God to do it. Does that make sense to you guys? So if we're believing for a job, once we ask for a job, we're praying for wisdom for a job, we're thanking God for a job, but we're not going, Lord, do you see me? Lord, here I am one more time. Lord, I'm coming before you and I just ask you, please, God, Father, if you just give me a job. That ain't how we pray. We come boldly before the throne. Father, we thank you that it is your will for us to have a job that we love. We thank you that right now you are sending forth people to open up doors for me that I cannot open myself. I thank you that you are causing my resume to rise to the top in HR right now in Jesus' name. I thank you that your favor is over me. I thank you that you're preparing me for the interview. I thank you you've already given me the experiences and I thank you that the job is mine in Jesus' name. We don't call people on the day of the interview talking about, can you just pray and just hope we go make it? We ain't no hope we go make it people we are overcoming people we're not a barely making it kind of people that's not who we are we are victorious in Christ Jesus and so he says when you pray you don't use vain reputations as heathen do for they think that they will be heard by their much speaking in other words we don't act like children that's what kids do in fact when you keep asking like that it just shows your immaturity now we expect our kids to be immature as they grow up, right? But I mean until they grow up, but we you know you expect your three year old to keep saying, Mommy you gonna take me to the park. Mommy you gonna take me to the park. Mommy, mommy, you gonna take me to the park. Mommy, you gonna take me to the park. You expect that. You do not expect your sixteen year old time out, Mommy, you gonna take me to the park. Mommy, you just be like, What is wrong with you? You need to get your life together. Did I tell you I was gonna take the park? Right. <laughs> then you like ask me one more time about that park. So you have to set your expectation that when we pray, we expect God to answer. And I'm going to show you these scriptures. And so here we say, it says, it says, be not like them that for your father knoweth what you have need of before you ask. And make this confession. Say, God, God already knows, already knows what, I what I need. Let's make it again. Say, God, God already, knows already knows what I need. What I need. So God, so God has, already has already provided all I need. All I need. That is the difference between faith and not faith. When we are in faith, we know that God has already provided. We're only praying to connect to provision. The provision is already there. God didn't having to make up a job for you when you need a job. God didn't have to make up a house for you when you need it. He didn't have to make that stuff up. He's already provided. And faith says we believe the provision is already there. Connect us with what's been provided. That's what faith says. Amen. It says after this matter, when you pray, here's how you pray. You say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That word, hallowed be thy name, don't just go through the Bible and not understand what stuff means. Hallowed simply means this. When I'm praying, Father, I'm acknowledging that your name is greater than anything else I'm going to be talking about. When I'm praying, I am already acknowledging from the start of the prayer that whatever we're about to talk about, you're greater than that. I am acknowledging your greatness in this position of prayer. Amen. I did not come to prayer to tell you about my problems, I came to prayer to tell my problems about you. Amen. It says, and what you have, and it says, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Here is the most important part of a prayer that you can get. When you pray, you pray this, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we use the word as our foundation because the word tells us what's already been established in heaven. Here's an example. You can go read it. When Jesus is feeding the 5,000, it says that he looks up to heaven to feed the 5,000. What is he doing? He is not looking at the people and the fish, which would show his lack. He is looking at God to see his provision. And as long as he looks at God and breaks the fish, the fish keeps multiplying. And in your life, there are some things that are not multiplying because you are looking at your fish and you are looking at the crowd. But if you would turn and look to God, God can multiply anything. Why do you think those examples are in the Bible? They are there so you will know that no matter how small your provision is, your God can multiply it. You don't take your bills out and get stressed over your bills. You take your bill, I'm Listen, I'm, I'm trying to help you with practical stuff how you live. When we didn't have enough money, we used to take our bills. We would lay them on the table, and we would begin to thank God before we ever added up anything. Father, we thank you that there's enough money here. God, we believe that we receive. We thank you for the wisdom to know how we pay these bills. I can't tell you how many times that on paper it wasn't enough to pay the bills, but when we started writing the checks, it was enough to pay the bills. I can't tell you how many times we got light bills that said we had credits. You know when you ain't got no money, you know you ain't got no credit on your light bill. You know that, right? (laughs) Now, we might have a credit today. We might have paid it over a little bit. But back then, if it was $19.13, you didn't get $0.15. Cents. You got $0.13 because I need my two pennies. But we watch God multiply because we put our bills under subjection of heaven. We didn't have enough money one time for daycare and we went to the daycare with the check. It was going to take everything we had. We weren't going to have but like $15 left. And the lady said, "You don't owe us. We you paid for 2 weeks." Are you sure? <laughs> Give it to me in writing. Baby, she gave me that little paper. We went all home. We was like, and now we got gross. You have to learn to live by faith. See, it's when you let God buy your bread, it's when you can trust him to buy a car. When you let God buy the car, you can trust him for the furniture. When you let God do it, but as long as you're looking at yourself, you're going to live in an area of shortage. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. All right. Three more scriptures. I want y'all to get excited about the Word. I want you to expect God to do something big in your life. You need for God to do something, and people need to see God do something. It's too many people going to church. You stay sick, your marriage raggedy, your kids bad, you hate your job, you're stressed out on Prozac. What kind of testimony is that to God? We believe God for victory. And if I got to lay hands, listen, I'm going to tell you something. When we were believing God for Jordan healing, we laid hands on her every night and every morning. Everybody in our family, everybody in our family. This little girl came over our house. She must have been six or seven. She said, my mama said that God made Jordan like that. She's not going to talk. My son Chase said to her, he said, your mama is a lie. And if you can't say nothing else, don't you come back up in here because Jordan will talk. Because you set your faith. That's why I wouldn't tell most people if I got sick, I ain't going to let y'all kill me. I ain't let y'all kill me. You hear somebody sick, you start talking about all the people who died of it. What about the people who got healed of it? And if ain't nobody got healed, God can still heal. Right, they've been killing Paula, Barbara Christina for a whole week now. Jesus. I'm telling you, you better learn how to guard you. You better learn how to get the word in your heart, and you better learn how to have some dogmatic faith about it. And you better learn how to hold on to healing the same way that you learn how to hold on to your job, the way you hold on to your sanity. When pressure get on you, you got to say, I'm not going to lose my mind. Now, Jesus already lost his mind on that cross. Now, one of us done lost, and it ain't going to be me. Now, I done restored. I'm a, I got a mind of peace. I'm going to walk in peace. Y'all ain't going to kill me. I'm not going to be stressed out. I'm not going to end up with heart disease and all of that stuff. I'm not going to end up with um, arthritis because I got bitterness in my bones because I can't forgive. God can help me forgive. I may not want to forgive you, but I'm going to because I'm going to walk free. So it says when we pray, we say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mark eleven twenty two through 24. This is how we live. Say, this is how we live. Now, you may not always feel like it, just like you don't always feel like coming to church, just like you don't always feel like going to work. Even if you love your job, you don't always feel like doing it. You I mean, you love your kids. They don't mean you always want to be with them. You love your spouse. They don't mean you always want to be with them. You be like, you can go to the store by yourself. Go ahead. so just because you don't feel like it but think about it listen because here's a good example you don't always feel like being with your kids but you don't put them out so you don't abandon your confession because you don't feel like saying it when you don't feel like saying the word that's when you need to say it the most that's when you gotta open up your mouth All right, can y'all take a little more you might as well, because I'm going to give a little more. Let's go to Mark 11 and 22, 24. Listen, it's not our intent to hold you in church every day, all day, but here's what I'll tell you. Life is coming at you. The enemy go use everything he can to get you off track. He want to make you doubt your identity. He want to make you doubt your finances. He want to make you doubt your relationships. In this little time we have together, our job is to give you enough to be able to go dig deeper and learn how to fight. The church is not a place for faith punks. It's not. It's not a place for people who cave in and quit and back up. It's for some people with some dogmaticness to them. You got to get something on you that says, I will grab hold of this word and I will hold on like a pit bull. I will not let go of what God said. Because the people who don't let go, their life change. And the people who let go, their life stay ragged. They look like everybody else. Mark 11, 22, it says, have faith in God. You need to write this in your Bible or in your notes. It doesn't actually say have faith in God. The literal translation says this. It says, have the God kind of faith. I just showed you in Genesis 1 what the God kind of faith was. When you see darkness, you speak light. It says, when you see darkness, you speak light. It says, when it looked like it's going down, when it looked like it's bad, when it looked like there is no recovery, there ought to be a believer somewhere saying, let there be light. It says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever, say that's me? Amen. I am a whosoever. So if it's in the Bible and say whosoever, who does it mean? Amen. Me. So I'm a whosoever. It says, have faith in God that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says that's the reason that we need, to, we need the word on the inside of us he says because whatever you believe in your heart that's what you go get if you believe the relationship doesn't work what happens if you believe that your job make you miserable what happens if you believe they get on your nerves what happens but what if you believe you're victorious what happens you start winning don't you Do you know that there are times that there are teams that they beat people that are better than them because they believe they can? It's why we like the story of the underdog. It's the person who doesn't have the right to be here, but they come to win. You may not have the right to be here according to statistics, but it's time for you to show up and win. It says we, we speak to this situation. My translation says this, Sean Strickland translation. It says that whosoever shall believe that this situation doesn't have the right to be in their life and shall speak the word to it and believe and not doubt, their situation will become what God said. My situation doesn't have any, any choice but to change because I'm agreeing with God. And the crazy thing is, is that when you speak in negativity, you're agreeing with the very thing you don't want. You don't want to be stressed. You don't want to be sick. You don't want to be broke. Why? You keep saying it. You don't want your kids to be bad. Who calls their kids bad? Stop calling your kids bad. Ain't nobody bad but criminals. Don't call your kids bad and then talk about, I don't know what, I don't know why they turn out like that. You spent your whole life saying how bad they were. So we use our words. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4.13. And then one more. 2 Corinthians 4.13. 2 Corinthians 4.13. Say, I believe the word. word. Say, I speak the word. word. And I see the word come to pass. pass. Say, I am not moved moved by my 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 situation. situation, but But the word moves my situation. I'm telling you, everything of any value in our life, we say this to our kids all the time, everything of any value in our life came because of a word. Because we found a word from God and we just hold on. We say all the time, man, if you want to be in, if you go, if you got to get in a faith fight with somebody, you should put us on your team. We don't back down. We don't cave in. We don't quit. We believe to see what God said. And what I can tell you that it is the will of God that 2015 be your best year so far. It is the will of God for your relationships to be better. It is the will of God for you to have a job that you love. It is the will of God for your family to be whole. It is the will of God for you to get over that stuff that has been held that you held up for the last 10 years. It is the will of God for you to live free and live in victory. Now, that's what we believe for you. Every day when we're praying for the partners of Fellowship of Champions, that's what we're praying. So we need you to help us by believing for the same thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4 and 13, it says, We. Having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, "I believe, therefore have I spoken, we also believe, therefore we speak. So we got to pay attention to what's coming out of our mouth. We don't ever say we don't have enough money. We don't ever say that we don't have enough. We got more than enough. God will supply. We got enough testimonies of how God supplied. We don't ever say sickness has the final the final um word. Don't have to die from cancer, people get healed from cancer all the time. We know people who've been healed from cancer, we know people who've been healed from fourth stage. Doctor said it's over cancer, we know people who've been healed from HIV, we know people who've been healed you name it. We know people who've been healed from it. You know, what? we know people who have filed for a divorce and got remarried and happy now. You don't have to be what it is, it's not over. It ain't over. You you your your mentality ought to be this. It ain't over till I get to heaven. Yep. It, it is not over. I am not letting go of what God said. We have the same spirit of faith, therefore we believe we speak. Our last scripture for today is 1 John 5 and 14. So where does my confidence come from? Because I'm not cocky in my own ability. Right. I don't trust my own ability. I already proven I'm not real consistent. I'm I'm not real smart sometimes. I'm able to own that about myself. That sometimes I make bad choices. That sometimes I don't always do the right thing. So where does my confidence come from? My confidence comes from the word. Guys, who in here believes Jesus was born from a virgin? If you believe that, raise your hand. If you believe that Jesus was born from a virgin, then you believe he lived a sinless life. Then you believe he died on the cross. And then you believe he died all night Friday, all day Saturday. All night Saturday, early Sunday morning, he got up. If you believe that, what do you have that God can't restore? What do you have that God can't repair? He already did the hardest stuff. You've got to begin to ask yourself those kind of questions. Why would I doubt that God could get me out of debt? Why would I doubt that God could give me peace? Why would I doubt that God could heal me? God's already done the tough stuff if it was any tough stuff to do. But none of it's tough to him. Do you know it takes the same amount of faith to believe for a dollar as it does a million? The issue is with your mind. It's not with the money. All money, little money to God. So stretch your thinking. First Corinthians, I mean first John, it says verse 14, it says, And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will. How do we know what his will is? It's in the Word. We're going to go over that again. How do we know what his will is? And then individually, how do you know what his will is? He tells you, right? So if we ask anything according to his will, can we ask for somebody else's spouse? No. Why not? Can we ask God to be um, the biggest drug dealer? No. Can Can we ask God to be the highest paid stripper? No, can we, we can't ask God for that stuff. No, Kenosha, we can't. We can ask God <laughs> for what's in his will and his word. And it says that we can have confidence that if we ask him for what's in his will, that he hears us. So sometimes when you feel like God isn't hearing you, maybe you ask asking for the wrong stuff. Because as a parent, sometimes when my kid's talking to me and they ask for the wrong stuff, I don't answer. I just act like I don't hear when you ask the right questions, you get the right answers. So when you, ask, when you ask for healing, God hears you. When you ask for peace, God hears you. And so if we ask anything, we know that he hears us. And whatsoever we ask, we know that we have. So as we end, here's the thing. We're going to get in the word. We're going to find out what the word has to say about us. we go get rid of all that negative stuff that don't agree with the word. When we find ourselves saying negative stuff, we go call ourselves on it. And if the people in our life call us, call us on it, we're not going to cuss them. We're not going to cuss them. In fact, we're going to have a confession for y'all next week because we're going to be a non-cussing church. The saints need to quit cursing. The Bible says let no profound thing come out of your mouth. <laughs> no corrupt communication. So we go going to begin to believe God because how are we going to be believing God for blessings and we cursing? We're going to begin to put some pressure on that thing, bring some discipline in your life. Here's why we're going to do it because if you can discipline yourself not to curse, you can discipline yourself to stand on the word. And so we're going to practice that. Amen. So we are going to stand on the word because we're going to see God do great things in our lives. Now, Pastor Edwin and Angel, there come. Is Angel coming next? Angel coming next. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to stand. We're going to make this confession over our life. Amen. Then angels go come. And while she's up here, she just go take the offering while she's here. Amen. <laughs> All right. Make this confession. I want you to really focus on what you're saying. Say, I believe, I believe God, God. And I believe, I believe that his word is true. And, is true. and, I, believe and I believe that when I, word, when I speak the word, I will see the word, see the word. Come, to come to pass in my life. Say, I declare it is the will of God for me to prosper in every area of life. And I believe that God himself teaches me how to profit. Say, right now, in the name of Jesus, I cancel every negative word I have ever spoken that disagrees with God. With God. Selah, soak that in for a minute. Amen. Right now, every word that I have ever spoken, every time I said it wasn't going to work, every time I said we were not going to make it, every time I said it wasn't enough, we just calling a crop failure on that. We calling a drought on those amen. words. Amen? amen? Say, we release our faith, we release our faith and, we and we declare that this is a house, is a house of champions, of champions and, we and we declare that every partner every and every friend, every friend of this ministry, of this ministry prospers. prospers. Say, we declare, we declare this, will this will be our greatest year, our greatest year so, so, far. so far. Say, we declare, we declare no, weapon. no weapon. Come on, you got to say that with a Say, we declare, we declare no, weapon no weapon formed against us, formed against shall, us prosper. shall prosper. Say, every plot, every plot and every plan. Of the enemy enemy. against my life, against against this ministry, against against my family, family. and against our partners shall shall utterly fail. fail. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap praise for that. (laughs) Amen.